uh, for your degree. So, um, by the way, I sent out an email about on the uh, PowerPoint. I just sent it out actually um, at around 7.26. So I don't know if Sam or I think you're muted. Oh, sorry. Did you hear what I say? Um, I said I sent out the, the PowerPoint at around 726, uh, right before the begin, the start of the uh, of this session. Uh, Sam, did you receive it? If I can find it here. <laughs> okay, or I don't know if uh, Brother Xingzhen is here, I think. He should have received it. Uh, I can forward it again. Hold on. All right. So, Sam, what's your uh, email? <laughs> now, you're, uh, now you're announcing it to the world. Um, or you can type oh, to it. I'll or... type it because it is difficult to describe. Really? Wow. Um, All right, send in the Sam, chat. Yeah, Jeff, I, I just forwarded to Sam. Sam, oh, should okay. have it now. Okay. <laughs> yes, that works. Yeah, Thank his you. email is indeed a little hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, Brother Scott. I, I appreciate it. Um, all right. So again, Sam, you have a little bit of time. Uh, we're still going to read the, the scripture. So you have time to uh, get it ready. Um, so uh, let's read. Let's go to chap uh, Mark, right? The Gospel of Mark, chapter five. And let's read from verse 21 all the way through to the end. Now, the main body, if you, if um, someone sent out, you know, prior to the retreat about uh, the message, right, you're going to see that I'm going to focus on verses 21 to 24, and then we're going to skip over from verses 25 through 34, okay, and then come back from 35 to 43, Okay, so, so, so just making it clear, we're going to read all the way through, okay, without skipping anything. But the main focus of the message is going to be from verses 21 to 24, and then from 35 to 43, okay? But it's really important that we look at the verses in the middle as well. I will talk about it, but the main character of today's passage is on Jesus Christ and also um, the overseer of the synagogue, Jairus. Okay, so um, let's let, so let's read um, together. Of course, along with me, I will um, I will read, and if you can follow along, okay. So verses twenty one all the way to the end, Mark Gospel of Mark, chapter five. And when Jesus had crossed again. In the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was able, he was just beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. 
Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him, meaning Jesus went with Jairus. And a great crowd followed them and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who has suffered much under many physicians and has spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Let me repeat verse 34 again. All right. It says, daughter, your faith had ma has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Okay. Pay attention to this one. We'll, we'll mention this. Verse 35. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house, meaning Jairus. Ruler's house. Uh, someone came from Jairus's house, right? And said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he, he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, meaning Jairus, and, J and Jesus saw a commotion. People were weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age and they were immediately overcome with amazement and he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. All right, long passage. Thanks for following along, but uh, let's pray. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Laura, as we come to the final session of the retreat, um, we truly ask you, Lord, to open up our hearts and see and learn and be amazed at who you are, what you can do, and what you are like, your qualities, your attributes, Lord. Uh, when we sing the song, the old rugged cross, Lord, we're truly amazed at the kind of salvation that you have given us. A lot of times in our daily lives, we make your salvation to be just as common as any other things in our lives, Lord. But I pray, we pray, 
that through this passage that we may be able to see who you are and that our, our eyes and our hearts may be lifted up to you, Lord, and that our spirits may be lifted um, to be revived, to be, to be healed by you so that we may come back to you again, Lord, and never depart again, Lord. I pray that, you know, these messages will not only have uh, impacts temporarily, giving a temporary spiritual high or what's so-called revival, Lord, but I pray that these words from you yourself may change people's lives and that people may be drawn to you, Lord, be changed and be used by you. Lord, thank you. We pray in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. So uh, thank you for being with us again. And um, it's um, we come to the last message. And the last message, the title is, Hello, I am Jesus Christ. So the very first message we talked about focus, right? Focusing on the right thing. Our hearts, our minds coming in to gather in front of him with the, right, with the right mindset, right? And the mindset is that it is God that matters, right? It is God that begs for our attention. It is not ourselves. It is not us. I'm not saying not to think about yourself or understand yourself. Of course, it's so important to understand who you are, of course. But if that's the only thing that we're doing, then there's something wrong, right? And it could become a crisis in our faith. And then the second message talks about how low I am, Jehovah. So now when we have the right focus, let's come and understand and know more of our Lord God a little bit more. And today we're going to conclude with the message, hello, I am Jesus Christ. And like I said, uh, we're going to be focusing on verses 21 through 24 and 35 through 43. But I'm also going to talk about, because it's a central point um, in this message as well. It's about the other woman, right? Another woman that's, uh, that has the, um, a, a blood disease, basically, right? An outflow of blood and nonstop, right? And um, it's been 12 years for her. And um, through her suffering and through what she did and what Jesus did to her, uh, it's really important to talk about. And what's interesting, right, is that if, if you read from verses 21 on, right, 21 starts the, 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 the story of Jairus, right, the synagogue, the ruler of the synagogue, coming to beg Jesus to heal um, his daughter who's about to die, right? And then starting at tw verse 25, all of a sudden, so as they were walking, right, Jesus and the disciples and the great crowd, they're walking towards Jairus's house, um, came in this story about this diseased woman, right? And then something happened there. And then on thir uh, verse 35 and on towards to the end of the chapter, we came back to Jairus again, right? So there is a story in between the story, which is pretty interesting right so let, let's take take a look at what kind of knowledge we can gain um, about God about our Lord Jesus Christ from this passage okay 
So, you know, believe it or not, every person has to put the, his or her faith in something or someone, even if they are, um, uh, you know, atheists, right? They need to put their faith in something. If they don't believe in God, they believe in something. They don't have faith in God or any kind of God. They have faith in something or someone, okay? Um, if a person doesn't have faith in anything or anyone, how can that person survive, right? Think about that. Having faith means that you believe in that thing or that person, that there's assurance there that something is going to happen. For example, when you start your car in the morning, there is an unpronounced faith. Okay, in your heart, you don't even think about it, but in your faith, as you hold the key, you put it into the, you know, the key, the key fob that the car will start. Okay, the car will start, right? Of course, until the car doesn't start and you have to repair it, and this happens multiple times, guess what? You will you lose your faith, right? Towards that car and start to wonder every time when you put the key in the ignition, hey, is this going to start, right, or not? Right. When you go to your when you go to school, when you go to college, right, when you listen to your professor or your teacher in high school or wherever, when you hear them lecture okay, to you, when they teach you something, you know, me, when I listen to them, I must have some kind of faith, probably not complete faith, but some kind of faith that this person knows what he or she is talking about, right? Otherwise, my mind will constantly doubt if this person is telling me a trustworthy thing or if this person is just making things up, right? As he or she is teaching, right? As you go to school, as you listen, why should you listen to them, right? In your heart, there's a little, you don't even think about it, but there's a little bit of faith towards that person that's standing right in front of you in front of the chalkboard that's your know, or computer that's teaching you something okay you have faith in him or her a little bit right you see we have faith we all have faith in something or someone right every day almost every moment we believe in something okay that keep us up christians or not the action of having faith in something or someone is built into our lives, right? Many of you uh, might be too young to know who Muhammad Ali is. Do you know Muhammad Ali? I don't know how many of you know Muhammad Ali. He was a really famous boxer. Oh, Jed, you know him? Yeah? He's a really famous boxer, right? Back in the 60s and, and 70s, right? Like sting like a butterfly, right? Or, you know, whatever. He, I forgot how, to, how they, you know, uh, describe him. But his, his power, it was, his punches, his jabs are so powerful. His movement was so swift, right? He often defeats his opponents before the opponent could even land a punch on him, right? He couldn't be defeated. Right? He was a world champion. He couldn't be defeated. He was truly legendary. Right? So one day, Ali, right? Ali uh, was on an airplane, and it was time to buckle up the seatbelts. 
right? So it was on an airplane and the announcement started to say, please buckle your seatbelts or so on and so forth. And Ali did not do it. He didn't do it. And the flight attendant came and she said to him, sir, I'm sorry, you have to fasten your seatbelt, right? And Ali looked at her, looked at the, uh, the attendant, flight attendant and replied, I don't need seatbelts. I am Superman. And the flight attendant politely just responded in a cold manner and say, sir, Superman doesn't need to ride on airplanes. Please buckle your seatbelt. You see, Ali truly had faith in himself, right? He was not a you know, humble person. You know, he had faith in himself. He feel he's undefeatable. I don't need seatbelts, right? I don't need seatbelts. I can save the world if I wanted to. I can defeat the world if I wanted to. I can do whatever, right? Of course, that was a joke again, right? Let, now, let me ask you, who do you have faith in? Or what do you have faith in? If you're younger, if you're younger, I don't know how young, but if you're younger, you probably have faith in your parents, right? A little bit. Every day, maybe they're going to feed you. They love you. You believe they love you, right? There's, there's not a question about it. When I was younger, I, I didn't question whether or not my parents loved me. It's, it's, almost, till, it's, it's, it's almost like till um, my teenage years, you know, when I started to, to, to have more thoughts about myself, that's when trouble comes, right? I started to doubt, you know, do you even care about me? You know, blah, 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 blah. They do, right? But, but when you're younger, you have, you have faith in your parents, right? Do you have faith in the one that cares for you in your church? You know, you should have uncles or aunties, right? Like when I, when I, I was growing up in the church and I had uncles and aunties that took care of me, I have faith in them, right? Is it your friends? You got your friends who will take care of you. Is it God? Is it God? Is it yourself? Think about it, all right? Well, what do you have faith in? Not who do you have faith in, but what do you have faith in? Do you have faith in your ability? Is it your diploma? Is it your job? Is it the house that you have? Is it the car that you drive? What do you have faith in? What do you believe in? What do you have assurance in, in your, in your lives, right? Ask yourself a little bit. If you don't know how to answer this, let me give you a hint on how to find out or what you have faith in, okay? So when you are in a very serious trouble, okay? When you are very serious trouble, who or what do you look to solve the trouble for you? When you are in a very, very desperate situation, who or what do you go and seek help. Think about it, right? Then let me ask a follow-on question, which is actually a more important question. Is that person worthy of your faith? You may have faith in that person or that thing, but is that thing worthy of your faith? Okay? So today, as we examine this passage again, just like, you know, um, so as we examine this passage, there are many different perspectives we can take 
right, to examine the scripture and so on and so forth. But today, I want to look at it from the lens of how does this scripture describe our Lord Jesus Christ? How does, how does this scripture describe our Lord Jesus Christ? Then hopefully, hopefully, by the grace of God, that at the end of this message, you will see that Jesus is the one that is worthy of our faith, okay? Sometimes you have faith in something or someone, but as you grow older, as they fail you, you will find out they're not really worthy of your faith, okay? Because they're imperfect, because um, they, they're just not good enough, putting, you know, plain English, to deserve your faith. The only person that is worthy, that deserves our faith, is the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is such a wonderful Lord. Hopefully you will see from this passage, worthy of our faith, worthy of our praise, okay? And um, the gospel of Mark up till this point, and as a matter of fact, all the way to chapter eight, okay? From chapter one, all the way to chapter eight, it's basically describing who Jesus is, okay? Everyone around him is in the process of figuring out who he is, okay? Don't think the disciples knew Jesus, who Jesus was, okay? As a matter of fact, the disciples actually have very little idea, okay, of who, what Jesus, or what Jesus is, okay? Uh, all the way until Jesus resurrected, okay, they still probably did not understand very much about who Jesus is. But in the Gospel of Mark, from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 10, and right here we're in the middle of it, okay, it's all talking about who Jesus is, okay. Um, so let's focus on the big context, right? In chapter 4, towards the end, and chapter 5, we're in chapter 5 right now, in chapter 4, towards the end, and chapter 5, the Bible is telling us that Jesus is the Lord with power and authority, okay? And so in chapter, end of chapter 4, shows that he has the power of, over nature, that he calmed the sea. If you did the homework, right, if you did read, right, the scripture, you will find out he calmed the sea, right? He calmed the seas. He yelled at the sea, the Sea of Galilee, and it calmed down, right, that he is full of authority, at the beginning of chapter five, it showed that he has the power over what? That he has power over demons. So end of chapter four, he has power over nature. At the beginning of chapter five, he has power over demons, right? And later on, starting from verse 25, it shows that he has power over disease and sickness, right? Like what we read today, starting from verse 25. As he healed the disease and healed the woman, he has power over disease and sickness, right? And finally, towards the end of chapter five, guess what? He has power over death. He has power over death. So read it over. It's, it's a really interesting progression. Chapter four, at the end of chapter four, power over nature. Chapter five, power over demons. And then today in the smack middle, verses 20, uh, chap, uh, middle of chapter five, power over disease. 
And then towards the end of chapter five, which we'll talk about today, the power over death. Okay. And this story of Jairus is the story of Jesus' power over death. All right. And as we take a look at this passage, we'll see that Jesus not only has the power over death, he has power over nature, over death, over disease, da, 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 da. He does not only have power over these things, okay, that he's the reigning God, but he is also so gentle and that he is so diligent, okay? And if you have your faith in him, you're in good hands, all right? So let, let's take a look at this scripture, what I mean, and hopefully you will know just a little bit more about who Jesus Christ is, okay? So verse 21 through 24. Um, so let's go to the next uh, slide, please. All right, verse 21 through 24, it says, Jesus, right? The Lord that is gentle. All right, Lord that is gentle. So Jesus left the previous location, right? Where Jesus just caused, if you read, um, you know, from verse one, all the way through verse 20, right? Uh, in chapter five, you will see, right? Jesus just left the previous location. And what happened in the previous location? That he just had caused thousands of pigs, right? To die. These pigs, basically they were, you know, demon possessed and they threw themselves off the cliff and they all died, right? And after he, you know, he was not welcome there anymore. You know why? Because, you know, pigs at that time cost a lot of money. Meat at that time basically cost a lot of money, any, any kind of meat, right? The, you know, pork, <laughs> steaks, whatever. It's, uh, it's, it's all it's pretty expensive. And if you think um, they were raising pigs, but remember, Jewish people, they don't eat pigs, right? So this region, they were not like a pure uh, Jewish region right apparently these uh people who are raising pigs they're probably uh gentiles right so they you know he threw all these pigs you know casting out demons and make them you know make these pigs basically you know die and throw them off throw themselves off the cliff so he wasn't really welcome there it's a big huge financial loss okay to whoever had the pig you know whoever raised up the pigs right so he and they asked him to leave. So the townspeople, the villagers, you know, they basically said, told, told Jesus, yeah, you better go, all right? So please go, all right? And, and Jesus actually didn't argue with them, right? Or reason with them, right? He basically left, he left, okay? And then when he came to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and this is where we begin today's passage, a great crowd gathered about him. Right. So there's a great crowd that that gathered around him. So in, so think about this picture. He was just being chased away from the previous region. And as he came over to this side of the Sea of Galilee, a great crowd gathered about him. Right. So this is a big contrast. If you think about it in one place, people didn't want him to be there. And then in another place, people gather around him in great numbers. Interesting. Right. And in amongst all these people, there came the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus. The ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, came. You know, as one of the rulers of the synagogue, 
Jairus can be considered as a religious leader at that time, right? As rulers of the synagogue, Jairus didn't only deal with people's religious matters, but Jairus was also a centerpiece of the Jewish people's lives. Because synagogues, believe it or not, I, I don't have too much time to, to explain what synagogue is, but a synagogue basically is the centerpiece of the Jewish people's life. Okay, so if you know this background, if you have read about, you know, previous chapters of the Gospel of Mark, you will know, you will know that Jesus wasn't really popular in amongst the Jewish religious leaders. Okay, he, uh, especially the Pharisees and the scribes, right, in amongst the Jewish religious leader at that time, he wasn't really popular or welcomed, right? Did Jairus have faith in the Lord? Yeah, he probably did. Why do I say that? You know, we can logically conclude that it wasn't that easy for him to come to Jesus to ask for help. Right? He could be facing pressure from the Pharisees. Because remember, he was one of the ruler uh, in the synagogue as well, right? There might be many other considerations he needs to get through. In order to come to Jesus, it wasn't as straight as, oh, let's just go to church. Oh, let's just believe in Jesus Christ, right? To him, it's a little bit more complicated, right? It's a little bit more complicated. You know, he came to Jesus. We may even think that he came to Jesus because he was left with no choice, right? He was desperate enough. His daughter, according to him, he said, his daughter is at the point of death. So this is like, you know, um, this is like the last ditch effort to come to look for Jesus, right? And then when he came, there was something interesting that he said. He said this. He asked Jesus to, quote, come and lay your hands on her so that she may, she may be made well and live. So he asked Jesus, come and lay your hand on her, please so that she may be healed and that she may live. You see, he comes to beg to Jesus to do something for him. And he came with a very, very specific instruction, isn't it? Right? He wanted Jesus to go with him to his house and lay his hands on her. Okay? Um, it's, you know, whether or not laying hand on someone is a common practice at that time. You know, that's beside the point, all right? But what's interesting is, he came with a very specific instru instruction on how to heal his daughter. Maybe he didn't know that Jesus can heal people with remote access, okay? That Jesus didn't really have to lay hands on her daughter, on his daughter, right? Jesus just can just say, she's healed and she's healed, right? Like radio, you know, radially, right? Remotely, Jesus can heal her. Maybe he didn't know that there are so many different ways that Jesus can choose to, to perform miracles, right? He came with really specific instruction. You know, a lot of times when we come to God, when we come to Jesus, when we pray, think about it. Do we come with specific instructions? By the way, God, I want this, and this is how I want it, right? By the way, God, this is how what I want and when I want it, okay? And usually the answer is now, right? The, the, the request is now right? 
So just just like us, he came with very specific instruction. Jesus, come to my house, lay your hand on her, okay, so that she may get well and that she may live. But so you see, his faith is not complete, right? He didn't really understand what Jesus can do and how he can do it. And believe it or not, right, this is like us sometimes, right? So, but guess what? Did our Jesus argue with him? No. Our Jesus say to him, oh, oh, ye of little faith. Don't you know that I can heal her just by standing here and say something? Or, you know what? I don't even need to say something. I can say, say my heart. She's healed and she's healed. Right? Don't, don't you know that? Right? But interestingly, Jesus didn't say anything. Jesus just complied and started walking with him. Right? He didn't ask any questions. He didn't challenge him. He just simply went with him. Interesting. You see, Jairus had faith, but his faith was not complete. But our Lord did not ask for that complete faith. Just have some faith. Just come to me. And uh, and I'll be there for you. And I'll be there to be with you. You know, um, there was this... uh, you know, hairstylist, right? That uh, that I had. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's hairstylist, but you know, it's like a supercut, right? Supercut. I, I I go usually if I spend more than fifteen dollars on my haircut, it's uh, I consider it to be expensive. Uh, <laughs> during COVID, it's always it has been my you know my wife, lovely wife, um, giving me haircuts. So, um, but you know, there's this hairstylist that my friend and I we will go to, right? And uh, he will get very annoyed if his customer suggests to him the details of the haircut, right? He, he, he has good skills, okay? Good skills to be working in Supercut. But, um, you know, just tell him the length and let him do his thing, right? If you give him specific instructions, oh, he, he, would, he would go berserk. Well, he once said to my friend, uh, if you if if you have your own idea, if you are not satisfied with what I'm doing, um, then go to somebody else. That's that's exactly what he said, right? And um, it's interesting, right? So, but Jesus here with this specific instruction, you know, he didn't, you know, he didn't say, "Hey, man, tell tell me the problem, right? Let me handle it, All right? Let me handle it. I'll handle it with my own way." He didn't. Jesus just went to, you know, went with him. If Jesus wanted to argue with us about how little faith we have, about how nagging we are, right? About how lack of faith, how, you know, none, you know, every time how annoying we are towards him, right? If he wants to challenge and argue with us, then none of our prayers would have been answered, right? It is his love and gentleness that accept us to accept us as who we are, to help us as who we are, to guide us as who we are, even though our faith is incomplete, even though our faith is very little, all right, if we have faith at all, all right? And then uh, the next section, verse 25 to 34. Uh, Can you go to the next one? There you go. Jesus is the Lord that cares 
and leads, right? Jesus is the Lord that cares and leads. And this all of a sudden changes the scene to the women, right? That came to touch Jesus' garments, right? And so at this point, you know, we just have to mention a little bit about this diseased woman, right? So this passage comes in between the entire story of Jairus and his daughter. On the way to Jairus' house, a great crowd was following Jesus. So a woman who had discharge of blood, right, for 12 years came and touched Jesus' garments. She was healed, but Jesus stopped to speak to her. So picture this, okay? Jesus with a big crowd walking along the streets, probably slowly, right? Now, all of a sudden, this woman touched his garment. He felt it. He felt the power outflowing from him. So Jesus stopped to talk to her, you know? Um, what Jesus did here was not only healing her, but also helped Jairus tremendously. How is that, right? Think with me, right? Think with me. After this woman was healed, so this woman discharge of blood for 12 years she was painful she she would see she became poor right it says that she basically spent all that she had found so many different physicians it didn't it didn't heal her it only got worse right so she came again just like Jairus out of desperation she came to Jesus out of just out of desperation she touched the garment of Jesus right and then Jesus asked, stopped and asked, who touched my garments? If you think carefully about it, this question actually is pretty strange. It's a weird question. Why? Even the, the disciples thought it was strange, right? Like, Jesus, why, why are you asking this question, right? You, you have so many people gather around you, squeezing everyone, you know, who touched you? What do you mean who touched you, right? And, of and, and also, if you think, Jesus is God, right? He should know who touched him. As a matter of fact, even before that woman came, he knows that woman will come. Why would he ask the question? He will stop walking. And ask the question, who touched my garment? Think about that, right? After he asked the question, the woman came. And the Bible says she came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Okay. So you see, after Jesus asked the question, she didn't immediately appear, right? She didn't. Verse 32 said, Jesus looked around to see who had done it. Right. So he asked the question, who touched my garment? No one answered. And he glanced around and looked around. Right. He looked around to see who had done it. He was looking for her. <laughs> this woman was going to just touch Jesus garment and just leave. Right. Be healed and leave unnoticed. Right. Her social status was probably on the lower ones. Right. Why? Because according to Mosaic law, the laws of Moses, right, in the Old Testament, she was considered to be what? Unclean. Because discharge of blood is actually one of the diseases that will render you unclean. So anyone touches her will also become unclean. Right. Will also become unclean. So you have to also know 
that there is a great crowd gathering Jesus, right? Crowding Jesus, that so many people were touching his garments. But she was the special one that Jesus called out, right? She not only came, but told Jesus everything about her, as the Bible says, right? She said everything. She told the truth. She said everything. She was making, if you think about it, she was basically making a public testimony, right? Because as she told Jesus there, everyone around her listened, can hear. Remember, this is not only between Jesus and her. There's a great crowd around her and around Jesus, right? And pay attention. Was Jairus there as well? Of course, Jairus right next to Jesus. So keep that in mind, okay? Keep that in mind. And listen to what Jesus said to her. Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Daughter, touching my clothes was not the source of your healing. Fighting through the crowd and getting to me, your effort was not the source of your healing. What healed you? Your faith has made you well. Keep that in mind. Jesus said to her, your faith has made you well. Your faith is the source of your healing. And not only did Jesus say it, and that not only did the disciples hear it, the crowd heard it. Jairus also heard this, right? Jesus said to the women, your faith is what healed you. Very interesting. There's, no, there's so much to talk about um, regarding this woman, but um, I, I, don't have, and, you know, I don't have enough time to talk about it, right? Um, but you see the phrase, your faith has made you well, will come in very handy just right after this, okay? Just right after this. Jairus heard about this. And Jairus heard about this faith. It is the faith that helped her. And this faith will also help him just moments later, okay? You see, Jesus went to great length here. Not only healing the sick, but he also wants to make their faith deeper. They want people being healed to understand why they were healed. Right? He didn't just want to heal people, perform miracles, and just do the things and leave. Right? Because guess what? The healed ones will get sick again, right? This woman that was healed by her, you know, of her uh, discharge of blood, eventually she will die again. She will die, right? The healed one day will die as well. He cares so much that he wants the woman to know. It is not touching my garment. It is not touching my garment. It is your faith that you have cured you, that have healed you, all right? It's so important. And he also wants Jairus to know that it is faith that will save his daughter as well. Jesus didn't just want to bless us the things that we want. When you go and pray to him and you ask for something, someone, anything, anyone, 
A lot of times he may give to you, sure. But sometimes he doesn't want to just give it to you. He wants to give to you and he wants to have an even more precious thing through the prayer is that we will have faith towards him. He is the Lord that cares and he is the Lord that leads us on in our faith. He is not just the Lord that wants to perform miracles. He doesn't just want to do the good things in our lives. He wants to use these things. He wants to use our prayers so that we may experience him and that we may know him more and that we may have faith in him more. You, can, you see, by him calling out this woman and asking her to do a public testimony and by proclaiming that woman, it is not your touching my clothes. It's not anything else, but it is your faith that has saved you. God, you know, Lord Jesus Christ cares so much for that woman. And he also cares so much about Jairus. You see, he is using this woman as an instrument, as a lesson, as something to demonstrate to Jairus. Take a look. What is really saving her? And that's also what's going to save your daughter. And that's faith, right? It's interesting if you think it that way, right? Jesus is using this woman, using her testimony to help out another person. Interesting. So Jesus is the one that cares. And Jesus is the one that leads. Leads to what? Leads ourselves to him. Okay? And let's uh, continue on. Next. Verses 35 to 43. Next slide, right? So there are three things that Jesus spoke of in this passage, right? Um, these three things are such blessings in Jairus's life, okay? And they surely are critical things to ourselves, to our faith as well, okay? So the very first thing that Jesus spoke of, it's the words of faith, okay? So next point, next slide. Okay, the words of faith. So verse 35, all right, follow along. Verse 35, Jesus was still speaking, right? A messenger from Jairus' house, right, came and told Jairus, your daughter actually just died. When Jairus came to look for Jesus, his daughter is at the point of death, hasn't died yet, about to die, right? But now as Jesus stopped and talked to this sick woman, all right now she actually has died okay and if if i'm jairus i i will probably complain to jesus jesus if you could just walk a little bit longer right like if you didn't stop if you could have just got to my house okay don't stop and talk to this woman but go to my house and and heal my daughter maybe she would not have died right but and, and anyways um there but as death comes there is no more hope. If someone is still living, you can still heal the person, right? But if someone is dead, then there's nothing else you can do, right? Nothing else you can do. So even, but even before Jairus can make a response to that messenger, what did Jesus say? Read the Bible. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe, 
Meaning what? Have faith. Have faith in me. Jesus knew, Jesus knew that death is the end of men's hope, right? With death, everything is lost. If there's one breath left, there's still hope to be healed. But with death, everything is lost. There's no more hope. Before Jairus could respond to the messenger, Jesus, you know, Jesus immediately, some uh, original text and some different translation actually had this description. Jesus, upon listening, hearing the messenger, and before Jairus can respond that his daughter already died, Jesus immediately said, do not fear, only believe. He probably knew in Jairus' mind that Jairus must be troubled. That Jairus' faith towards him is only hanging by a thread. Right? It wasn't easy for Jairus to come to Jesus as the ruler in this, of the synagogue in the first place. All right? So now this is even lower than that. Right? His faith. You know, Jesus was willing to go with him to his house. So that was a spiritual high, right? Wow, there's hope. You know, there's the, Jesus as rabbi at that time is coming with him, so on and so forth. But now he's dead. His, his daughter is dead. So now we come to a low point, right? It's like a roller coaster. Now we come to a low point. But Jesus' words gave Jairus faith. Jairus didn't listen to the messenger's suggestion, right? What did the messenger suggest? The messenger don't, said, don't trouble the teacher anymore, right? Don't, don't, uh, don't bother him. All's lost. Your daughter's dead, right? But Jairus didn't say that to Jesus, right? Jairus continued on. They continue walking to his house. Jairus didn't complain to Jesus, right? If you could have walked sooner, you know, um, maybe you can. And don't stop, right? Maybe you could have come to my house. No, no, Jairus didn't say anything. Right? He probably had a little bit of faith left. Right? They continue walking. You know, if you think a little bit, just a little bit. If there is someone that said in the faith of death, do not fear, only believe. That's actually a pretty bold statement, right? Like, what do you mean don't fear death, only believe? Death is death. What else is there? After death. The person won't resurrect again. They've never seen resurrection, by the way. You know, it's, um, remember, we have our choices to put our faith into anything or anyone that we wish to, right? However, the object that we put our faith into is very important. Like I said, is that person or that thing worthy of your, uh, of your faith, right? Sometimes that person or that thing may not give us what he or she said that they can give us. You may have faith in someone, in some elders, in some, you know, uncles or aunties or your parents or your friends and whoever. But you know what? They, a lot of times, may not be able to help us when we need help. It's not their fault. It's just they're humans, right? When our, but when our Lord says, do not fear. Only believe. He's not only saying it, right? He actually has the power that he is able to do what he is going to do. 
A lot of times, people don't have the ability, even if they wanted to, they don't have that ability to do what they want to do. Even if they want to help you, they can't help you. But when our Lord says, "Do not fear, only believe," this means He is able to resurrect that little girl from the dead. And we thank the Lord because in Him we can have faith. And we don't need to fear anymore, right? Fear of uncertainties, fear of unpleasant surprises. You know, don't, do not fear. Only believe, even in the midst of the hardships, of the discouragements in your life. Do not fear. Only believe, because our Lord Jesus has the ability to do what He wants to do. And the second thing he spoke of, next slide, it's the words of hope. It's the words of hope. So as Jesus arrived at the house, what did he see? He saw a commotion, right? Meaning there's a big noise of people crying, basically, right? To to mankind, death is the ultimate ending. Once someone reaches this point, there's no turning back, right? There's no threat or any possibility of hope, right? Of a revival. They're, they're, if you're dead, you're dead, right? As I said, even with modern technology, you probably can't do anything after a person is pronounced dead, unless that pronouncement is is wrong, right? Like someone mistakenly was pronounced dead, right? But if you're really dead, you're dead, okay?、Um, We are not sure who these people are that are crying in Jairus's house, okay? But we know that this is a group of people that had no hope, right? In front of death, they were crying, right?、Um, some、um, may be just crying due to the fact that it was customary, right? To to cry loudly when a death happens, right? For example, when I was in Taiwan, when I was little. Uh, when I was in Taiwan, sometimes you know when someone dies、uh, at the funeral, you'll actually hear people cry, and people actually hire people, <laughs> pay people to come and cry, right, and for them, right, because the louder you cry, the the more bewilderment you have. It means you're sad, and it means that you are really honoring your parents, right? You are really or under honoring the dead, right?、Um, it's it, it's interesting. Right. It's it's interesting. So there might be、uh, at the time it was also Jewish custom sometimes to hire people actually to come and cry, right at、um, at passing, right.、Um, but now, right. So there's chaos. Whatever, however we describe, there's chaos in the house. But Jesus now said to them, "Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead." But the child is sleeping. Well, if you think about it, being dead versus being sleeping, very different, right? Sleeping means that there is still hope. A person that is sleeping will surely what? Wake up, right? If you sleep, hopefully, normally, you'll wake up. Right? That that's what sleeping means. Sleeping means you go to a sleep, you go to sleep, and then you wake up. That's a process of sleeping. You see, in the Lord, even in the saddest matter moment on earth, death, right, 
something there can seem can be seen as something with hope. You know, in front of death, when you don't have faith in anything or anybody or our Lord, you probably, when you have faith only on matters of this world, it's probably the end. There's no hope. But when you have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, there's always hope. One day we'll all all be sleeping. One day we will, all of us, no matter how young you are. One day you will. But one day you'll wake up. One day you'll wake up into the glory of our Lord. You know, if, if Christians can conquer the fear and hopelessness of death, what else can't we conquer? Think about that. What's the scariest thing in the world? People may say suffering, sure. People may say pain and disease and whatever, sure. But most people are afraid of death, right? Because pain and suffering leads to death eventually. Sometimes death is like a, you know, a relief, right? But a lot of people are afraid of death. But in God, in our Lord here, you can see that there's also the words of hope that in him, we can conquer death, okay? And third, words, the words that he said. Next one, next slide. It's the words of resurrection from the dead, right? It's the words that overcome death. Okay, as these people laughed at Jesus, right? These these people didn't have faith in Jesus, right? They, you know, they they were laughing, right? Well, what is he talking about? Is he crazy? Jesus put them outside, and just took the father Jairus and the mother and the three disciples, right? That were with. Remember, at this time, not the three, not all disciples came into the room, but only three of the disciples, right? That came. You know, Peter, James, and John, right? Into the room. So there's the father, Jairus. There's the mother. They're the three, you know, uh, 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 disciples, right? And Jesus that came into the room and he took the girl's hand and said to the little girl, little girl, I say to you, arise. You know, the term little girl is really interesting if you do a little study on that. It's a very, very gentle term. It's a really soft term, right? That meant little lamb, right? Little lamb, little sheep, okay? Little girl, arise. Jesus said to the parents to give her something to eat, you know, because being able to eat is a sure sign of life, isn't it? Then you feel strange, you know, at the very end, Jesus said, Jesus actually instructed the parents to, to give her something to eat. What does eating mean? Eating means you are alive, right? Eating is, is a sure sign that you're alive, right? During Thanksgiving, I'm sure yesterday, most of you must have had a big dinner. I know I had, right? I actually, I myself, I cooked five dishes yesterday, including a big turkey. I love cooking. So, um, you know, I cooked five dishes, invited some uh, families, brothers and sisters over, had a great dinner. You know, we ate, right? You know what? It means that we're living, right? We're living. We're enjoying life. If you eat, you're alive. If you're alive, you eat, 
right? This resurrection is revolutionary. No one in the history of mankind has had the ability to raise a person from death. No one, no one. But here we are. We see Jesus overcoming death. And some people will ask, why would Jesus strictly charge the people there that no one should know about this, right? If you read the, uh, you, you read the passage, you'll see Jesus actually told uh, the mom and the dad, right? Don't tell anyone. And you will say, what? Something so revolutionary just happened. You just did something that no one in the history of mankind was able to do. That you were able to resurrect someone from the dead. And you don't want this to be spread out. What's going on here? It's because this is something that, if we think about it, this is something that is so revolutionary. There's already people following him, not knowing that he is the Lord. A lot of people are following at that time. If you continue to read on, a lot of people follow him at that time. Why? Because he is a guy that can perform miracles. He can heal people. He can cast out demons. He can do all these miraculous things. And that is why he was popular. But you know what? That is not what he wanted. When, when He didn't just want to come to the world and be popular. He was here. You know, he was here to die on the cross to complete salvation for us, right? So for others to hear that resurrection is to be performed, this means that Jesus is the Lord God, the Messiah. You know why I say that? If you go to the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, verse 25 and 8, a verse, uh, a chapter 25, verse 8, Isaiah chapter 25, verse 8, what does it say? It says, the Messiah, okay? He will swallow up death for all time, and the Lord God will wipe away from all faces, will wipe away, will wipe tears away from all faces. Basically, this is the verse, Isaiah 25 is the passage that the Jewish people believes that when the Messiah, when the Lord God, the Savior, Lord God sends to help them, to save them, when the Messiah comes, this is what the Messiah will do which is the Messiah will overcome death, will swallow up death, okay? So think about it. If now Jesus, the news of Jesus, resurrecting someone from death goes all the way out, okay? People are not ready yet to accept Jesus as the Messiah or the Lord God himself, okay? He wanted to take Jairus through this journey of faith. He wanted the disciples to see this journey of healing and overcoming faith, right? Because remember, the, the disciples were, at least these three disciples, you know, they were on the boat with Jesus. They came to the shore with the great crowd of Jesus. When Jairus came, they were there. When the sick woman was healed, they were there. When the sick woman was doing the testimony, they were there. When, the, when Jesus said to the sick woman, your faith has healed you, right? They were there. When Jesus resurrected the daughter of Jairus, they were there as well. They were witnessing all along, all not long. In their hearts, they might be astonished. Wow. 
wow, this Jesus, this guy, this rabbi that we're following, he can calm the nature. He can power over nature, power over demons, power over disease, and now power over death. Wow. But Jesus also knows that a lot of time that, that, that it's not yet time to have more people know about this. It's always, remember Jesus, if you've read the gospel books, right, you will see, you'll hear Jesus say a lot of times that his time is not yet come, right? It's not time yet. It's not time yet. Jesus knows that it is not time for other people to know about this yet, but it's so important for Jairus and the disciples to see. So in conclusion, what does all this mean? What does all this mean? You see, um, so next, next slide. All right. Many people can be fascinated and encouraged that Jesus is able to perform these miracles. Overcome the sea, casting out demons, raising people from the dead. These are all good, by the way. These are all good. But if we can see just a little bit deeper, if we can read into the text just a little bit wider, right? If we think, if we truly pray and calm down when we read the words slowly and into these words, we can see that he is not only the one with great power, right? He is the one that is gentle, the one that cares, the one that wants to teach us, the one that wants us to help us to grow up, to lead us through our faith, the one that keeps on training us, that use all different things to train us. In this, in this passage, he used the woman. He healed the woman, but at the same time, he used the woman as a training tool to Jairus about what faith is and what faith can do to him, right? He is the one that gives us faith. He is the one that gives us hope. And ultimately, he is the one that has raised us up from eternal condemnation and death, right? There's Jairus and there's the diseased woman. When the Bible puts them together, we can see so many comparisons, right? Jairus was an elite in society, well-respected, right? He was a religious leader. He was the ruler of the synagogue. Another one is an outcast. This woman was an outcast. Because of her disease, she is considered to be unclean by society at that time. One person might be well-off, right? Remember, you know, Jesus came to his house and this house had rooms, right? And this house is big enough for a lot of people to gather in and cry. You know, this is not a small house, right? This person, Jairus, might be well off. He's, he's a little bit on the wealthier side, right? And the other has spent all her money on trying to find a cure for her disease, right? But no matter who they are, if you see these two comparisons of people, they're two totally different kinds of people, but no matter who they are, how they came to Jesus, Jairus came to Jesus, what? Like in the public, right? Open. He came and knelt down and begged Jesus, right? 
This woman came hiding in the midst of everyone, hiding, didn't want everyone to know, thinking that she would get healed and leave, right? A lot of comparisons, a lot of differences, right? But no matter who they are and how they came to Jesus, they all received the same thing. They all received the assurance that faith in Jesus Christ will bring them salvation. Not only bring them cure, but bring them a renewed faith. You see, as a father of three children, right? It's uh, the oldest being seven, and then the younger one, he, his, uh, his, uh, the, 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 the second one is four, and then the youngest one is three, right? As a father of three, what truly, what I truly hope for is that as my children mature and grow older, they will not only see me as someone that can provide for them, okay? If they want something, go to daddy, right? I hope they will not only see me as that person. They will not only see me that, that as someone that then can take them out of trouble, right? Get them out of trouble. I truly hope that one day when they come, they can come to understand who I am and how much I love them. I truly hope that they can have faith in me and the Lord that I will love them with all my strength, right? But I don't want them to put all the faith in me, right? But put faith in me that as the father, I will try my best, right? <laughs> have faith in that. But don't have faith in that I will succeed and everything. They will have faith in me and also have the true faith, complete faith in Christ, right? But my powers are limited. My knowledge are bounded, is bounded, right? But our Lord is limitless. And he is the one that is worthy for us to put all of our faith in. Because he's not only a Lord that will do miracles. He has so many attributes that when we read the text or we can, we can read the Bible, that we can come to appreciate his gentleness, right? The words that he talks, said, you know, his attitude of caring, his intention of leading and teaching. Trust me, he is there to teach you through the good, through the bad, through the, you know, through, through the most pleasurable times and through the most painful times that he is there continuing to care for you and to lead you, to lead you where? To lead you to him once more. So hopefully um, this passage and this message help you to just understand a little bit more of who our Lord God is. Um, let us pray. Lord, um, again, words are imperfect. It's uh, filled with holes. Lord, your, your, your message, your words are so abundant, Lord. Um, and we pray that through this passage that you can show us what a gracious Lord you are. And you're not only gracious, but the way you do things is so gentle. And you care for people and that you're so diligent, Lord, that you care for our weakness, that when we have little faith, Lord, you use different ways and different matters to, to strengthen us. And Lord, I pray that you may bless these youths and adults and coworkers that um, their faith may be strengthened in you, that their faith 
may truly um, come to fruition to such a way that they're more interested in you, to know you more, to come and seek you more. And as they seek you more and know you more, Lord, that they will love you more. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this gathering. And we pray in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.